0: Shall we play a game? Hi, everybody. It's Jamie Duvall, host of Movie Geeks United. Join me on Monday, June 25th, for a special 35th anniversary screening of the classic War Games. After the screening, you can take part in a taping of our podcast. I'll help in answering any questions you might have about the film, and there might be a surprise or two thrown in for good measure. It's all happening at Safe House an iconic spy-themed restaurant and night spot deep in the heart of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. For more information on the event, visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash moviegeeksunited. And to learn more about Safe House's Milwaukee or Chicago locations, visit safe-house.com. Plan your mission at Chicago's number one espionage experience, the Safe House Restaurant. Conveniently located in the heart of downtown Chicago, you will discover what it means to eat, drink, and party like a spy. Find the red door and enter a world of mystery for a delicious and top-secret experience you will never forget. Try Chicago's number one voted burger for lunch. Maybe your dossier contains a need for happy hour drinks, or late-night rock is fun, secret agent and spy approved. Make Safe House your place of refuge. Visit their website, safehousechicago.com, for more intel, or to make your reservations now. Come to play. Thanks for joining us, everybody. All our competition better go away. (laughs) Uh, Just kidding. Uh, Hey, guys, what's up? Uh, Hey, how are you? Hello, hello. Good. I was just thinking earlier this afternoon, a couple of weeks we're going to have to do uh, summer of
1: 1993.
0: Uh Ah. That'll be fun. (laughs) Yeah. And I was thinking the summer of Jurassic Park, summer of 1993. I'm like, Man, how, how things have changed in oh, 25 years! Oh yeah, it's still the suburb of Jurassic Park.
2: <laughs> Jurassic Park, exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. It's been a couple of weeks since we've done a show, so let's uh, talk about the movies that we've we've seen that we're most excited or articulate over.
1: Uh, mm. Which where do you want to
0: start? <sighs> I know. That I I know we were just discussing
3: that uh, that we had seen Paul Schrader's new movie, First Reformed. So I think that's a good place to start, because uh, uh, it's it's one of the boldest movies of the year. And it's definitely a return to form for Mr. Schrader, who um, exploits another sort of snowy uh, New England background to tell the story of a troubled priest at a at the title uh, church, First Reformed. Was Pres- it Presbyterian, is it? Uh, yeah, I believe it is. Yeah, it's a Presbyterian church, uh old seventeenth century church that was used as part of the underground railroad back in the slave days and there's a is mm-hmm. a stop on the uh on the railroad for runaway slaves and uh he takes up at this uh at this, you know, modest church that is uh is overseen by none other than Cedric the Entertainer uh, <laughs> uh operating under his real name that's uh, Is right. i think that's for the first time and uh he's uh, operating also without his wig and so forth and you know his, his barbershop wig or whatever and uh, uh so you know uh, if you didn't know this i i didn't know that he was in it and i was completely flummoxed when it was all over, when found Same out here. but Same here. um uh, so Ethan Hawke uh, takes up at this church and uh, gets visited by a very troubled parishioner who's working in the environmental uh, industry, protesting it and so forth, and uh, is troubled because he's found out that his wife is about to have their first baby, and he doesn't want to bring a baby into this uh, into this threatened world, and uh, he he decides to take further action. And, of course, as this is from the, at least the writer of Taxi Driver, you can expect to see uh, some very, very interesting things in the last half of this movie that uh, really flummoxed the audience that I was with. I mean, I don't know about you guys, uh, um, but uh, after the movie, I, which I loved. I thought it was great. I thought it was absolutely Schrader's uh, return to, uh, you know, making terrific movies like Affliction and um, <clears throat> Hardcore and so many, so many of those earlier movies. You know, uh, Blue Collar, of course. Um, but uh, this had. More of an affinity with taxi driver than almost any other movie that he's ever that I think he's ever made uh which is really strange to say because uh, it's a you know rather location wise it's rather static and uh uh there's a lot of beautiful you know New England locations in it and everything, but there's nothing like taxi driver in it <laughs> but uh there's no crazy nighttime scenes of k Chaos and mayhem, but uh there are uh incredible uh incredibly almost uh, spiritually transcendent scenes uh, particularly in its last third uh and uh i uh you know it, it <laughs> the movie kind of enraged the audience that I was with there was a whole cabal of uh film goers you know gathered at the exit and uh i said uh, uh this this is the this this is the conversation I wanted to stumble in on and uh sure enough they were uh they were confused by it and uh one of them in particular was enraged by it uh he was like, What did i sit through i i you know i said well uh you know, so I mean I guess you I guess you didn't like it and he said, I fell asleep six times and I said, Well if you fell asleep, I mean you missed it but <laughs> you, you it's not a movie though I can understand some people falling asleep in a and guess in a Paul Schrader movie because they are very measured in their pacing in their um and in their I don't know, their, their, their uh, there's chaos in them but there's not uh the, not a lot of noise. They're, they're usually quite quiet, and uh, this one's no different. And uh, But I said, well, it sounds like you just weren't a, uh, on board with it like from the very beginning. It just wasn't the kind of movie you wanted to see. Um, and maybe you just didn't know what you were getting into, uh, which I can totally understand. If you're just stumbling into First reform you're going to be quite surprised by it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're
0: not going to yeah. get your normal Ocean State is sold out Let's go see First Reformed First Reformed <laughs> uh, yes. did, did, you know? did, did, did you get a sense That uh, a lot of the people That are maybe will be checking out This movie this weekend are Think it's like a a nice Post Sunday church movie To go to <laughs>
1: uh, some,
0: You know it's possible It is quite possible That that's,
3: that's what they thought or maybe they uh maybe they thought it was a Christian movie, perhaps because those are getting a lot more popular in the in the um mm-hmm. in the multiplexes and so forth uh, a little bit more plentiful than they've used to than they've been in the past few years and uh so it's possible they might might have stumbled into it not knowing what they they were getting into and um but um jeez, I thought that. First of all, not only was it Schrader's best movie in a very long time, uh, again, I would go back to Affliction. It's probably his best movie since then, which that's two decades. Uh, but uh, I would also uh, count it as one of Ethan Hawk's greatest performances. And that's coming from, I think, I was saying before I went into the movie, I said, I think Ethan Hawk is the second greatest actor working in movies now. Uh, in all mm. movies all around the world, I think that uh, I think he 's right behind Ro- Joaquin Phoenix as our uh, finest actor working working yeah on top and of I, his th- game. I
0: think i think he he definitely knows that he 's got the dream career now for for what he wants to do in movies, which isn 't mm. necessarily the headline of big action Flick or anything like that. he wants to make meaningful movies that stretch him and i 'm telling you like However many years ago, I would never expect this to come out of Ethan Hawke. I would never have expected Ethan Hawke to represent that kind of of consummate actor of, of soul-searching cinema.
1: I have decided to keep a journal, to set down all my thoughts
0: and the simple events of my day. I will keep this diary for one year, and at the end of that time, it will be destroyed. my son to enlist. It was a family tradition. Six months later, he was dead in Iraq. I was lost. My sense the reading of the Lord. Praise be God. So, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. No, really. It's been a while since we've talked. Even a pastor needs a pastor.
1: Did you see the doctor? You need someone to take care of you. Well, I want you to be happy. I know that nothing can change
0: and I know there is no hope. Reverend Toller?
3: Yes, Mary.
1: You must come over. You must come over now.
3: There is a gosh. How can you say? How can you? How can one describe the 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 sort of trippy dream sequence that's in it? That's <laughs> uh that is kind of a. a I guess it's one of. I guess it can be counted as one of the most unusual sex scenes movies uh, in movies ever. Yeah, uh, uh, even though even though it's not quite sexual, <laughs> but there there is an element of it, as you will see if you are adventurous enough to go and see this movie. By the way, this is a short movie too. This is this movie is ninety minutes long. It is it is it, you are. You were whisked in and whisked out of uh, this world, and uh, it does leave you with a sense of like, what did I just watch? And that, I love that. I love that in movies when when uh, when they send me to another world. This one definitely does that, and it surprises, and it is absolutely one of the best movies of the year. No question about it.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said there. It's it's really uh, it's really good really and I wasn't sure, you know, there's was a lot of pre release buzz but I it definitely lived up to what, what I'd been hearing and mm-hmm. yeah that, that scene you're talking about, that love scene, is uh I guess transcendent is a good way to put it because it's it it's literally, is literally trans- transcendent. <laughs> uh,
3: it it literally is. Uh is
2: is is so
3: fantastic. And that's that's when the movie just goes into another place.
2: It does. Uh, yeah,
3: it goes into another place to the point where, uh, you know, I don't want to talk about where it goes, mm-hmm. but uh, no. but I do I do want to say that I'm not quite sure it actually happened. Uh, that's that's m- my thing. If uh you know, that's just something I, you know, want to leave people with an idea that, uh, like, uh, maybe it's. Uh, Maybe it's not actually happening in the in in the real world. It could be happening in sort of a temporal kind of world. Um, That's what I
2: took away from it. Yeah.
3: Yeah, uh, but uh, but if you're literal minded, uh, it will definitely
2: leave you with a thing of like what? <laughs> <laughs> but
3: uh, and I know both most people are, but uh, but uh, just to me, it was it was a, a great great achievement for for. Paul Schrader, was, uh, it's it's, uh, yeah. you know. Uh,
0: did you agree? I did, I did. I did not get to see it. I did not get to see it because uh, it's way out of town for me, uh, and I wasn't able to get out to it. But the uh, maybe this weekend it'll be in my town. But um, I will say that I'm I'm really pleased for Paul Schrader because he's had a run of bad luck lately with having movies taken away from him, and and it's it's put him in a real depressive funk. So I'm glad that this emerged, first reformed emerged from that, and he was able to do it the way he wanted to do it. And for those people that think that uh, Schrader is uh, anti-spirituality uh, uh, or Christianity or what no, have you... No, that's not the case, uh, I don't think. I, 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 that's not the case at all. But but he throughout his career over the past 40 years, he has specialized in spiritual angst. Mm-hmm. Uh and I think I think this is the the latest example of that. Um uh, so I'm yeah really I mean thrilled to uh, see it. I'm really looking forward to
3: it. It is it is great. It's one of the best. But uh Yeah, I mean you think about it, you know, this is the guy who wrote uh who wrote the screenplay to uh to Last and Paste of Christ. <laughs> or at least a mm-hmm. at least a draft of it <laughs> you know yeah, but uh yeah. You know, i mean uh, you look at all throughout you know look at the just go and look at taxi driver, it's like this is not that far away from from uh from that kind of story, uh that no. kind of searching mm-hmm. kind of uh story of loneliness uh that's what all of these have in common. Uh, even hardcore, you know. Um right. yeah. uh they are they are tales of uh, a kind of a snowy wintry loneliness. And yeah. um uh you know, this is this is just a... jeez. <clears throat> you know, I was thinking the other day, uh who deserves a special Oscar more than Paul Schrader? Uh who um
1: that uh-huh. really needs to
3: happen, you know. Uh, uh and- I can definitely see a world in which he gets uh, you know, at least one uh Oscar nomination for uh for uh this movie, which would be his first. Yeah, he's, we're talking about somebody who is an absolute legend in his craft uh as a director, as a writer, as a film figure, as a even a film commentator, a film critic, and this uh this needs to be rectified, this whole idea mm-hmm. that he has he's never even been nominated which is just That's it's crazy. It's on it's on the level of in fact it's surpassed now the level of incredulity that you had when you realized that Gordon Willis, <laughs> you know, had only been nominated for one Oscar by like 1997 or whatever, you know, yeah. that 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 was nuts then, and this is nuts now. This is that's it's absolutely needs to be addressed
0: um, by the Academy. Well, good. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll start campaigning. I mean, yes. We've got a little time to campaign for Schrader. <laughs> yes, because they won't
3: announce him until August or September or something. So, But uh, Paul Schrader needs well, also, to be th- I a mean, fair man. Th- th-
0: this is capable, he, he is also a, a filmmaker of recurring theme. He's, mm. he's he's one of those guys that has is obsessed with a certain uh, character – a breed of character that he's examined from different angles throughout his career. I mean, he himself has said that there is a direct line between Taxi Driver and Bringing Out the Dead, which he also wrote, and The Walker, which he uh, wrote and directed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I mean, he, and especially he's he's very unique in terms of how he approaches masculinity. And the, the 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 loneliness that we try to f- that we try to fill unsuccessfully um, in various ways. Uh, so yeah, he's a special guy, and I'm I'm glad he's still around. And just the smartest person I talk to. You mm. talk to him and you know you're in the presence of a writer.
1: Because
0: mm. uh, <laughs> everything he says is like, hang God, let me write that down." <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, I was going to mention that because, you know, he wrote the book about uh, Brisson, Robert Brisson. And I picked up on elements of two Brisson films in this one, The Death of a Country Priest and um, Pickpocket. There are Mm. certain elements from both of those that turn up here that have been, you know, reconfigured to what's going on in the world today. But I I wondered if there was some influence there. From, oh, there uh, has to be. Brisson, I, I picked that up. Yeah. And another thing I just wanted to add is that I thought this film was very technically proficient as well. Mm-hmm. Some of the he does the swirling camera thing that's in De Palma and Hitchcock the Hitchcock and De Palma both made you know famous, and he does that to great effect at the in the finale. You know what I'm talking about, Dean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I thought that was a very effective choice. Um, I thought it was interesting that this film is shot in 1.33 to 1. It's not a widescreen movie. Yes.
3: That will be a surprise to a lot of people. I know it was to me getting in there and seeing that boxy screen. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Okay, I know what to expect now.
1: Uh, Yeah.
3: It was, it was, it was, what a great movie. I really, I really dug it. It's not going to be for everybody uh you have to go in with an adventurous spirit um and, and a rather hungry one but uh uh but I think if you approach it in the uh in the correct mind frame uh, mm-hmm. I think that you'll really dig it um so yeah yeah,
2: and i think it's it's ultimately hopeful a hopeful movie uh, it is in spite of in spite of the 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 subject matter at at hand and and its presentation of the world in which we live, which is not depicted as as such a um, positive place that we're heading towards in a very quick manner,
1: mm-hmm. which
2: made me even more concerned and saddened and depressed than I already was about <laughs> where we're we're heading. <laughs> but but having said that, it, it it is it does have a hopeful note, although mm-hmm. there is a lot of things to be alarmed about that this movie points out. In uh, a very, um, a very Sobering well terms. done fashion. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. So, so anyway, yeah, excellent. And, uh, and, and Amanda,
3: Amanda Seyfried, uh was was terrific in it. Uh, she sure in, was. Yeah. In, uh, in the supporting role as the as the wife of one of the parishioners that he tries to help, and uh, and uh, uh, she was she was superb in it, and it was just a it was just a a really terrific movie. I mean, I just mm-hmm. loved it. Um, you know, um, it didn't make me go out and dance through the aisles or anything like oh, that. Oh, no. But <laughs>
1: but no. I no.
3: did not go out doing a big Toyota kick into the air or anything, but uh, uh, but I dug it just the same.
0: Every so often, uh, which is really all the time, we uh, find out the disparity we're reminded of the disparity between what critics like and what audiences respond to. Mm. And uh, right now uh, that example is hereditary, (laughs) which uh, is just, uh, you know, pretty much across the board getting raves and uh, gets a D plus uh, cinema score rating from audiences. And, you know, I will say I walked out of hereditary and the first thing I said to my friend I was with was, audiences are going to hate this.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: that, the one I was with hated it.
1: You could just tell. And
0: I was like, man, this is not the movie for, this is like way too much of a slow kind of burn for these people at obtuse. Uh They ain't going to take that. They're, they're expecting something like.
3: Uh, they want uh, a jump scare uh, movie.
0: Yeah, they want a jump scare movie. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You okay, Mom? What? Is there something on your mind?
1: Is there something on your mind?
0: It just seems like there might be something you want to say. Yeah.
1: Like what? I mean, why would I want to say something so I could watch you sneer
2: at me?
0: Sneer at you? I don't ever sneer no. at you. Oh,
2: sweetie, you don't have to. You get your point across. Okay, so fine, then say what you want to say, then. Hey, Dad. I don't want to say anything. I've tried saying Okay, things. so try again. Release yourself. Oh, release you, you mean? Yeah, fine, release me. Just say it. Just
0: fucking say it. Don't you swear at me, you little shit! Don't you ever raise your voice at me! I am your mother!
3: Well, my my viewing of it, I have to tell you, right from the outset, is incomplete. Uh, because I, um... <clears throat> I went to go see it at AMC theater uh and it is a deadly quiet movie the only quiet... I mean uh you know this movie makes first reformed in in the noise uh, area it seemed like star wars but um uh or even <laughs> e- even a quiet place you know <laughs> but
1: uh
3: uh I was sitting in there watching the film and I watched about, I got through about half of it and I sat through half of it with the next door theater being playing a very very loud what's obviously an Indian uh an Indian uh, musical slash war <laughs> movie because you could hear the music uh pumping over and then you could hear large explosions going on that were were shaking the room. Well, that it, it's like watching a Bergman movie and and having the exorcist next door to you or whatever pumped up uh to uh, enormous levels and, and, <laughs> and you just can't even concentrate, so I just went out and just said, uh, I got to see it some other time. But I wasn't really really thrilled with the movie. I I thought it was a real uh I thought you know, the half of it that I saw, I thought it was a real bore. Um but uh but i leave i leave to, to you guys to tell me to put me straight and to get me back into the theater to see the rest of it so mhm what a tough task <laughs> can you do it <laughs> can you get my ass back in that seat to finish un- the last half of it an unenviable task <laughs>
2: uh- <laughs> okay give it a shot uh I'm kind of lukewarm on it. Um, I certainly admired some things about it, um, but I felt like it's just more of this this thing where it seems like every year there's one of these horror films that A24 is distributing that everybody is raving about, and there's a there's a buzz that's deafening six months before it comes out, and you gotta see it, and it's gonna scare the hell out of you, and this, that, and the other, and and you're just so psyched and pumped, and you get there, and it's like, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, it's
3: just the big it's, it's the big uh, Price is Right, yeah. bum bum ba-doom, bro. Yeah,
2: it kind of is, although... There are some effective moments in it. Uh, There are a few jump-out-of-your-seat moments, actually. Um, Some really disturbing imagery. And uh, I felt like the end of it cribbed a little bit too much from Rosemary's Baby, Mm. (laughs) personally, uh, when it gets to that point. Uh, I do feel like it's overlong. That was a major flaw. There are very few horror films that can get away with a two-plus-hour length.
3: Mm-hmm. And the Shining
2: and Rosemary's Baby being two of them, and, <laughs> uh, and that's a yeah, that's a rarefied league. Yeah. You know, because m- most horror films cannot do that, and this is one that definitely should have been trimmed. I think by, by a good fifteen twenty minutes would have tightening it up would have helped Im- immeasurably to, mm. from my experience, because mm. there were some scenes that just just. You felt like they were stretching out the suspense just for no other no other reason than to just stretch out the suspense and see how long we can drag it out and you know it's not a D it shouldn't be getting a D cinema score it's not that bad it's far from that I mean it's like I said there's there's some good stuff there it's just not the the horror classic that everybody's talking about it's it's you know I, I just felt like uh, and and the end is a little there was one person uh in our screening when we saw the the screening on it she just she told the uh the media people cuz they always ask for our opinion you know when it's over and she said i disliked it totally i i just didn't get anything out of it i didn't like it at all and she that's all she had to say and she just walked mm. so and that was the, the one made was her angry huh yeah she was but i i like i said i was somewhere in the middle ground on it did didn't hate it didn't love it but, uh, sir, I think it's better than The Duke. I'll give you that, and, and The Witch,
1: which are two uh-huh. other
2: movies that everybody was just raving about. I thought uh, both of those were more disappointing than this one. This one was a little bit better than that, marginally. So.
0: See, I really
2: like the movie.
0: and I uh-huh. think that there's, a, there's been a trend lately of kind of very slow, deliberate horror movies that work on atmosphere and mood. Uh, the I of my mother from last year. Uh, was another example of that I thought that was terrible but the um, uh, uh, what I like about this movie is it actually has something on its its brain as opposed to the others that we've been talking about from recent years I think that what it does is it takes all these horror tropes whether it be uh, uh, the seance or cults or ghosts and all this kind of stuff and, and it infuses it with meaning. It infuses it with the theme that the movie is is uh dominated by and that theme I think is mental illness. And but, but mental illness as indicated in the title that is almost a curse to the family. So mm. so this mental illness is is kind of passed on. I mean there's I don't think there's any question that she wasn't sleepwalking when she almost set the children on fire um and and she she hated she hated them slash loved them in equal measure uh because she's dominated by this this illness that that covers her like a cloak,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: her children have it too and i i think in terms of the horror movie aspects of it, the beheadings uh that happen a lot in the movie I think it's their way of when they finally perish from this illness. Uh, they lose their head because what they have is a sickness of the mind. Uh, I think the cult stuff at the end of it. It, And up in that barn, you see all the people that have lost their head, like this long line of victims from this illness, and he's the one left standing. He's the one that carries the throne. They even put a crown on his head uh, at the end of the movie. Um, uh, uh, there's, and there's something that the teacher says early on Where the teacher says Can we uh, empathize more with a character Who has a choice uh, As opposed to a character who's born with this condition like, I think a lot in the movie Goes right back to reinforcing that theme uh, mm. And I wasn't prepared for that So I didn't catch every nuance or, uh, That it was giving me Because I thought I would be watching this movie just like any other. And most movies don't have any kind of, you know, deeper theme. (laughs) Mm, (laughs) You have to watch those movies in that way. But like halfway through this, I started recalibrating myself. Oh, okay. I know what this movie's getting at. So I do want to see it again because I think a lot of those connections will, more of those connections will come to me. At the same time, there are parts of the movie that are so brutal at just Awful and unpleasant but I almost don't want to see it again. Um, but uh, it, another thing that sets this apart is, is, is the performances. Tony Collette, I mean, her, her performance is like set to 12, and it's such an emotionally wrought uh, piece of acting from her. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ale- Alex Wolf, who is the teenage boy, which uh, I, I don't think he's a teenager, he's been around for a while. He's usually one of the best things about any movie that he's in. He was the only thing I liked about my friend Dahmer. Uh, and I think he is outstanding in this movie. There, there, there's a section when he's in the classroom where he's going crazy and he smashes his face against the desk. Mm. But it, it reaches a level of, of hysteria that is so primal and so visceral. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I think there's such a lot to savor in these movies. And if you want the jump scare, there there is one of the most effective shots I've seen in recent horror movies. Near hmm. the end, Tony Collette banging her body against a cellar door—that is such like a, oh my god, that's incredibly creepy. <laughs> that sequel shot.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> like well, it looks disturbing. like I
0: have to. It looks like I have to revisit the
3: theater again. You've convinced me because uh, <laughs> uh, gotta go back and. Take a look at it and uh, check it out, because, you know, obviously I didn't get to, uh, you know, the, the best, most most effective part. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I think I need to go and check it out again. But,
0: um, I, would just, but I would just say, and maybe you good. still won't like it, but I, I will say any any movie that has loftier ambitions than its genre typically indulges in is worth investing time in. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. And I
0: think this one certainly does. Sure. And it's 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 it executed. Uh, I mean, in terms of mood and pace and framing, and and uh, I, I think it's executed beautifully. Um, mm. And 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 there's little tells too. Like it is almost like a cult. Like the people that suffer from this illness form their own cult, and they pop up throughout the movie. There's even near the very beginning. There's that really creepy shot at the at the funeral. And there's one standing in the background with a big smile on his face. I don't know if you guys noticed that shot. Wow. Uh, just out of nowhere, and it's it it is yeah. frightening. But I, I understand a lot of a lot of audiences don't know what the hell this movie is, and they 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 do go to hard movies to be confused. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: true.
3: But I think my audience was just totally distracted by the snacks. They were just eating away, just. Just grazing away, you could just hear all the crackling and the crinkling, and it really went on for for an hour. And no no one said anything. I went out and complained about the sound next door and tried to get it cut down, and I just could not concentrate on the movie. And they they did not do it. So uh, you know, I just got the hell out of there and just said, I'm just going to give it another shot at another time in a quieter on a quieter day. Adequated oh, theater. there's a mo-
0: there's a moment later in the movie where she's, where Tony Collette's character, I'll cut this part out, because I don't want to give it away, but where she's trying to cut her head off. And, and it, it's just, oh, my God, it's just painful. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that and, was. And especially if you feed it into the context of, I need to get this out. I need to exercise mm-hmm. this. You know? Well, as
3: a, as a sufferer of uh, mental illness myself, I you know I think uh, I'll be able to find something to empathize with in the movie, and um, and uh, so I'm a lot more curious about it now. Okay, so did we see Book Club? Uh, I know that this is probably you, way too late to be talking about Book Club, <laughs> but
1: but did you we do have to admit them, that it is a
3: movie with you know four powerhouse actresses in it uh you know lily tomlin of course uh not lily tomlin uh, mary Steenbergen, and uh candace bergen uh diane keaton and who am i leaving out uh, jane fonda jane Fonda, of course uh <laughs> the, the big kahuna so uh yeah so uh, you know I didn't love the movie. I wanted to, uh, you know, it's, uh, about a book club that gets together and, and starts reading, you know, 50 shades of gray or whatever. And it, it arouses their, uh, their, uh, you know, nascent sexual, uh, desires for their, for their spouses and their boyfriends or whatever. And, uh, of course, you have uh, Don Johnson in there going after uh, James Fonda, and with uh, Andy Garcia uh, uh, going after uh, Diane Keaton, and uh, Craig Team Nelson is, uh, <laughs> which I haven't seen him in a long time. It feels like uh, he's in there, uh, and uh, who who else? Who am I missing? Oh, that's right. Uh, uh and it's Candace Bergen who's really, you know, hitting the dating world you know, again for the first time after a long time, you know, uh, working as a judge alone and so then we get to see a quick glimpse of the ever ever wonderful Wally Shaw. I was gonna is, say, yeah. Which is which is great to see. And then of course uh uh,
2: uh, Ed Begley. uh Rich-
3: Ed Bagley and Bagley Jr yeah, and uh yeah. and also also um uh, uh uh Richard Dreyfuss. Yeah. So uh so lots Detroit. of lots yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh so uh, uh, so uh you know I mean I, I I did not think that the movie was funny. Uh it was cute uh but I did enjoy seeing all of those people in it, and so for that reason, I would recommend it. Although, you have to go in. Don't expect, you know, to be loving it. <laughs> you know, you'll just have a nice, pleasant afternoon after a nice lunch or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, don't hang a lot of hopes on it. <laughs> and, and
2: if if you can find a theater that serves tacos, that would be even better. <laughs> <can> <laughs> 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 this is true. so tacos
1: over. would
3: help you through this one. I'm telling you. Uh, yeah. They have to be some really good tacos, though. But uh,
1: uh,
3: <laughs> yeah. But uh, 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 I, I, you know, I accepted it pretty, pretty painlessly.
2: <laughs> yeah. It, it elicited a few chuckles from me. I guess you would say. I, I, I never laughed, but I chuckled a couple of times and. Like you said, it's, I mean, how can you not like, see, uh, not enjoy seeing those actresses at work? I mean, it's it's just such a joy to see them on screen, and especially when you came of age when we did and and grew up seeing them in things. And, you know, that's enough to bring a little bit of a smile to my face. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Sometimes that's enough. I mean, depending upon the situation in which you watch the movie and what you're looking for, sometimes it's just enough to be in the company of. People you feel comfortable with. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Uh, okay, we I, I want to bring this up because we have to talk about uh, casting news. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we'll talk a little bit about casting news. We'll also talk about the rash of trailers that came out the past week. It seems like every single studio was like, all right, let's release our trailer for our, our fall movie. And uh, so mm-hmm. we had a lot of them last week. Uh, okay, casting. First of all, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has rounded out its cast, and Adam, we were talking about this a little bit the other night, but we mm-hmm. can open up speculation here on the show. So the most exciting news for me personally, I actually started tearing up when I read it, was Al Pacino confirmed. Mm. Um, Al Pacino is playing Leonardo DiCaprio's agent. His name is Marvin Schwartz. So it's uh, I'm sure it's uh, I'm sure it's a fictional, just like that. DiCaprio's character's fictional, but I, I would imagine. Uh and then uh, the other cast members include Luke Perry, because I've been waiting for that um, mm. <laughs> Luke Perry uh Tarantino collaboration. Yes. Uh we all I think have. he's probably playing an an actor in the in the Western that they're making in the movie. Uh huh. That would make sense. Uh just like uh, just like Michael Madsen and I'm sure Kurt Russell's probably playing to Damian Lewis from Billions and Homeland. He is playing uh Steve McQueen. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, Dakota Fanning is playing Squeaky Fromm So uh I, Wow. I love that. That's that's fantastic. And and Squeaky Fromm was not part of the murders that you know we associate with Manson, but she was a definite fixture Main, the main girl, really, uh, in Manson's clan, and she later uh, tried to assassinate President Ford. And she's free now. She's—they uh, caught up with her a year or two ago. Uh, but she's actually still kind of a loyalist to Manson. Um, she's one that never turned, uh, to my knowledge. Yeah. Uh, James <clears throat> Marsden. Uh, James. Okay. Here. Oh, before I get to that, Emil Hirsch is playing J. Sebring. Uh, so there's two cast members the parts they're playing have not been announced and I'm sure that is deliberate Timothy Oliphant and James Marsden so I've been Mm. mulling this over in my mind what could they be playing is Timothy Oliphant he's a good actor but too old for Manson too tall for Manson Uh, I, I don't know if that's going to happen I don't even know if Manson's part of it Partly, personally, I think it'd be smart not to have Manson part of it. But Ben Marsden, and I'm thinking, I don't know, would he be a Tex Watson? Uh, yes, or, that's who I was thinking. Yes, or might he be a Vincent Bugliosi? Mm, I don't know. Yeah, uh, it's, we're saying that not knowing what characters are in the movie uh, outside yes. of what's already been announced. Of course
2: well you you know the one the piece of casting that i was most intrigued by was the um the casting of Nicholas Hammond as uh, Sam Wanamaker, the director. Oh which Nicholas Hammond, if in case people listening do not know who that is or don't remember, this is this is one of those Tarantino esque piece of cast pieces of casting that he does, stunt casting I guess, that he does every so often. This is the guy that played Spider Man, Peter Parker and Spider Man in the nineteen seventies television series, the oh, live action okay. series of Huh. of the the amazing Spider-Man. So I, 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 when I saw Nicholas Hammond in the cast, I said, well, who else would do that but <laughs> Quentin Tarantino? So <laughs> there you go.
0: It's just... Uh, and by it's the way, just... I mean, and that's the actor that's playing Wanamaker. Yeah. In terms of a- actually Wanamaker, and maybe an audience member can correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think he has any connection whatsoever to Tate or Polanski or... You know, uh, nothing obvious pops to mind. But, that, yeah. but that's a real life Hollywood uh, figure that he's yeah. incorporating in the story. That uh, I'll be, be curious to see how, why. Of course, he was a director at the thing. time,
3: right? I yeah. mean,
2: he, he was a yeah.
3: director and a yeah. So mm, yeah, interesting.
2: Well, maybe he's directing the the pilot, the failed pilot that uh, the the two actors are in, or something. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, because he was a TV director as well as a movie director. Yes, so. that's what I'm thinking. So who knows? But interesting. Here's the, to uh, here's a the other Hammond. thing.
0: I, I, I don't remember if I said this on the show the other week, but there's a there's a house uh, down the street from Cielo Drive that the owner claims is haunted, and and uh, actually the paranormal investigators have gone in that house, and and including the guy that studied the Entity House, and the guy says, look, I. I debunk 99% of these cases that I see because I'm a skeptic that this house, just like the entity house, has has a, a spirit in it uh, that's very oppressive and visceral. Um, but anyway, this guy, he's a colorful guy. His name's David Oman. He was outside a couple weeks ago, and Tarantino and his crew were coming the street of Cielo Drive. And so he had a conversation with Tarantino for a little bit. They're not going to be able to shoot. They might be able to shoot on Cielo Drive and kind of green screen the area where the Tate House used to be with the gate and everything. But uh, they'll have to recreate the Tate House. So my question is, this is the main point of contention about this movie and why a lot of people that are detractors of it think that it's in bad taste. Will they reproduce the murders? I tend to think maybe not. But... uh, it would be unusual for a Tarantino movie not to include violence and this is the, one of the most violent incidents in in 20th century pop culture uh so i don't know i don't know what to expect there either of course
3: could go either way obviously you know he could he could choose to choose to surprise us and not go there but if so it would be the <laughs> It would be the first Tarantino movie without a cascade of blood in it in
0: quite some time. Yeah, with some <laughs> restraint. Yeah.
3: Yes. <laughs> uh and I am not ready to expect that. So, you know, not with this. Uh I I would I would assume they'll they'll reproduce the murders. I think I, uh, think. I would think I would think a lot of people uh viewers might <laughs> I don't know, some of them a lot of them might be grateful if I don't. Uh but um yeah. I and I and I might uh I might uh you know, be one of them. I, maybe. Uh but uh but uh, I I think it's too too great of a uh you know, it's too great great of an opportunity not to do it, I guess. And uh, you know, it's it's never been done before. Uh, you know, I mean, we all know about Helter Skelter, but we don't see it. It hasn't been murder. done well. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I you know, did they try and do it in the second hel- the second version of Helter Skelter with uh, Jeremy? What's his name? I mean, uh, they,
0: they 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 even they even did it in the American Horror Story uh, episode.
3: Okay, really
0: badly, really badly, and uh, apparently Manson was in his hospital bed watching it, and he was laughing. <laughs>
3: um, Wow.
0: uh, Yeah,
3: uh, yeah, it's creepy, isn't it? It is very creepy. Uh, Yeah. uh, I I don't
0: know. But then again, the neighbors were saying that they were hearing screams and they had no idea where it was coming from. So maybe that's how they'll portray that the killings are happening. Maybe since DiCaprio was so strategically positioned as a next-door neighbor, uh, uh, maybe that's how they'll portray that the murders are occurring.
2: Maybe hmm. he overhears
0: them or something. I don't know. But I, I'm just looking forward to seeing a replication of the Tate House, and I hope they do it. And with this budget, I'm sure they'll do it right, because that was a beautiful house before they demolished it. So that'll mm-hmm. give me the chill bumps just alone, just seeing the mm-hmm. house. It's just unquestionably
3: the most anticipated movie there is. Uh, just <laughs> you know, I mean, and it will continue to be that way for the next uh, for the next year and a half or so, or whenever it uh, when's it supposed to arrive again next March.
0: August 9th. August of next
3: August, 9th, uh, August 9th, 50th, okay. ann- so, right.
0: 50th anniversary of the murders. Yes. Uh, you know, it's also a huge cast of white guys. I mean, it really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't, I, you know, there's not much diversity we, in the cast, but if that's the palette he's working with, then that's uh, from history, then that's what he has to
2: deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the bet on the length of this movie? That's what we were talking about, too. Three hours. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe yeah. four, maybe even divided into two halves, who knows. But it could, like it could go Kill that Bill. way,
3: you've done that before. But, it uh, could be a Kill course. Bill thing, yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking.
2: It, it, it could go that
3: way. I could easily see that, that happening.
2: It sounds like so, a lot of story to tell to me from what it I'm does. hearing. So, And that's great. If there's enough story to warrant a four-hour movie, I'm all there, trust me. Yeah. So, yeah, no, yeah, I, and,
0: I, and and he'll, he might be cheating. He might be like, "Yeah, I've only got two movies left," and yet he makes us two movies, four movies. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> could be. Yeah, there
3: you go. Could be. I it would be. It would be a difficult. You know, I mean, I I remember uh, as a teenager reading *Helter Skelter*, and you know, of course, I would go through it, and hey you know, back then, of course, I wanted uh, you know De Niro to play Manson, you know, because he. <laughs> there was a strong resemblance there, and uh, and I would I you know sort of fantasy cast the the movie and everything and uh, and it just feels like that's what's happening with this mm-hmm. with this particular film is that they're just <laughs> that they, Tarantino is doing this. So I would love to talk to Tarantino and and know about his relationship to to the book and to the case and so forth. Throughout his life, you know what I mean, like uh, his interest in it or or whatever. It'd be, it'd be well, fascinating. I, I,
0: earlier last last year, I contacted the the old Stephen Parent, who was the first victim. His his prom date, they went to prom just about two months before he, were, he was killed, and uh, nobody had spoken to her or reached out to her before, and she didn't. She never got back to me about an interview, so I, I'm not going to push it, but. Well, we corresponded back and forth for about a year, and the first thing that she said to me was, you're not going on that Helter Skelter book, are you? Because that that book's complete bullshit. And I, I said, well, no, I'm going on whatever you have to offer me, because you were actually there. So I don't know what parts of the book she had a problem with. But uh, I know a lot of people have problems with some of that book. But it is, even, even if you look at it as something that is not 100% accurate, it is a one of the great... Crime books. It um, is. True, <laughs> true crime books. Mm, definitely, uh, and I know. Yeah, uh, but here's another thing. Years ago, they did <laughs> this. Was funny too. They did one of those Hollywood Reporter roundtables. It's either that or variety that they do every award season. And so this is Clooney and Plummer and and a couple other people, but Gary Oldman and Nick Dulty are on the panel too. And they ask about roles you turn down. And Gary Oldman was like, years ago, they offered me the part of Manson. And I just said, oh, I don't know if I want to be in that place for that long a time. And then you hear Nick Nolte, like, growling from across the room. <laughs> He's like, You don't want to play Chuck. I do Chuck. You don't want to live in that for that long. And it was great kind
3: of moment <laughs> no, great. of course it's, it's like,
1: like you. you it's like that
3: it's like that scene from uh, Tropic Thunder you know just him piping up from back back yeah. in the room
1: just <laughs> sort of tearing the <laughs>
0: shit out of everybody oh man that's that's great. He he, he
1: was, they called him Chuck,
0: you know. Uh You can tell they were all frightened by Nick Nolte. They're they were like all distinguished and very you know, sitting around Clooney with his suit and everything. And like Nick Nolte starts to pipe in and he's like a like a talking id. I mean he's just like all grunts and guttural and like body sounds and shifting and during <laughs> during everyone else answers, you hear Nick Nolte going. Ugh. <laughs> 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 <And like growling.
1: laughs>
3: oh man i love him
2: can i ask you a personal question
0: okay tell me something girl
2: do you write songs or anything
0: i don't sing my own songs why i just don't feel comfortable
2: why wouldn't you feel comfortable
0: Almost every single person has told me they liked the way I sounded, but that they didn't like the way I look.
2: I think you're beautiful. Hey.
0: What? I just want to take another look at you. In all the good times I find myself for change. Isn't it do. Come sing that song that I love. No, I can't do that. Here we go. Look at me. All you gotta do is trust me. That's all you
1: gotta do.
0: We from the shell
1: now,
0: uh, so what'd you gosh. think of the stars born trailer Dean?
3: I thought it looked promising, you know i mean it's it's funny, you know it's uh geez, I think after after the 76 stars born, everybody was like, you know, maybe we should put this property away for a few decades or whatever, because that, that movie wasn't great. But um, uh, I think this one looks good, you know. I mean, uh, it was weird, though, you know. I I guess because of the one with Chris, Chris Christopherson and, and – uh, uh barbara streisand i I think of that uh you know i think if we're gonna have a, a rock and roll stars being the uh you know the focus of the piece uh and uh that uh, I, I was like I was like boy, these are you know in the trailer I was like these are incredibly gentle songs for, for him to be playing to be a rock star, you know mm-hmm. like uh, they were just like. Little little singer songwritery things with the acoustic guitar or whatever, and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm expecting him to be a, uh, you know, a rock star, you know, uh, but uh, I don't know, we'll see, you know. I mean, obviously, the big thing about it is going to be, you know, well, first of all, of course, Bradley Cooper is as a director, which I'm mm-hmm. not really familiar with uh, any other features that he's directed. He might have done some TV shows or so, so forth, but uh, uh, but also, uh, of course, Lady Gaga in the lead, which uh, I guess might rub some people the wrong way who haven't really uh, cottoned to her work, uh, which I know that there's going to be a lot of people who, who are like that, but you know what, Lady Gaga is a really, really accomplished musician. Really, mm-hmm. really
0: talented. Really, she's really beautiful great voice.
3: Yeah, she's a, she's not only a great singer, she's a great musician. Uh and so um, and I I think
0: it's I think it's a saviest decision he made personally mm-hmm. uh uh-huh. in putting this movie together. And I'm sure the think, the thinking was I mean, I need somebody with real chops and Nobody has greater chops than Gaga uh, in that age group today, but, but also you look at something like The Bodyguard, which is a movie of du- dubious quality, but uh, a massive, massive movie, and a lot of that had to do with Whitney Houston.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, Getting her sure. at just
0: the right time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I heard. Uh, go ahead, Adam.
2: Oh, I was just going to say, I heard from somebody who's seen the movie, uh, Sean Penn, of all people. He saw it and he was talking about it on uh, Mark Marin's interview with him recently podcast, and he said it was extraordinary. He just loved it. He thought it was terrific. I mean, I don't know if, what that says, but he said that he was just blown yeah. away by it and that he's you know, not the kind of person to that so. come out
3: or something like that, you know. I know, so. he
2: said he was in, not anticipating what he saw, is what he said. He said, I, I, I wasn't expecting it. He said, I've kind of lost faith in movies. That's why I've kind of stopped doing, you know, movies myself. And he said, I saw it, and it was just kind of restored my faith in, you know, the in movies, in a way, it was that good. So, I don't know, but he he vouched for it, so. It feels yeah. like it's been a long time
3: since we've had a, something like this, like a high-profile Romantic movie that's a serious movie (laughs) that is, uh, uh, that's not comedic in any way. And, uh, it just feels like a long, it feels like it's been forever. Like, (laughs) do they even make movies like this anymore? So it'll, it'll probably,
0: it'll, if it's, if Dave Dave Chappelle's in it, uh, uh, Sam Elliott's in it, um, and it's gotten a lot like Adam just said it's gotten a lot of great advance buzz from people that have already seen it. I know the mm-hmm. studio has a lot of big hopes on it. I think it'll be a big hit. Like I we haven't seen it so we don't know, but I will tell you that is a that is an exceedingly well-cut trailer because it is. It, it's all one song. It showcases both talents, two different styles of singing, and then in the midst of it, as the trailer crescendos into her part, you—the movie—with flashes of flashes of scenes from the movie, it hits a lot of emotional beats that you can expect to find in the movie.
1: Mm-hmm. And then the mm-hmm. song ends,
0: and the trailer ends. Uh, it, it's a beautifully constructed piece. Mm-hmm. So I have trailers.
3: Trailers are getting better. I have to say, they're they're, they're breaking away from that pattern that they were in for a long time and now, now we're seeing some at least some better work there. So Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um but uh but yeah I'm excited about it for sure.
0: No question about it. Yeah me too. The new David Lowry movie, did you see the trailer for that? The old man and the gun Yes. Bradford. Mhm. I
3: haven't.
1: Mhm.
3: Yeah. Uh yeah i'm not quite sure what to make of that <laughs> i'm i'm still quite not sure what to make of david lowry as a director just in general <laughs> I, even after having interviewed him <laughs> uh uh but uh yeah i i'm uh you know it's uh isn't this touted as being uh, is it is it true that this is gonna be Redford's last movie or is there, or is that just a rumor or what that's what whatever? that's what
0: he said what he said, but I think his agent or somebody else said, no, that's not true. He's going to okay. keep acting in movies. He's, he's okay. going to continue to hit that note until he dies as an actor. But um, I was in a conversation with Aaron last night, and we were talking about Redford, because I brought up that trailer. And it does look more lighthearted mm-hmm. than uh, Lowry's then, other movies. Yes, <laughs> It does. It 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 has
3: like a it has a comedic uh, 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 comedic bent uh, to the trailer. Yeah, almost least. whimsical,
0: whimsical yeah. or fable like, which I think you kind of need if you're talking about an eighty year old that robs banks.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh,
0: but uh, but you know, Redford as an actor, I think he knows his limitations. I think mm-hmm. he always has. Yeah. So you're not, uh, and and Aaron's point was well, that's one way of putting it. But another point is not to say it in a denigrating way, but just say he knows his brand, and that's the kind of performance he he gives because that's what he knows he's most effective in. And mm-hmm. he said like Brad Pitt. Uh, I was like, well, Brad Pitt uh, is a little different than Robert Redford uh, because I could not imagine Robert Redford doing Snatch or Twelve Monkeys, like giving a performance like that. Mm. Like way outside the comfort zone. Redfirst never yeah. really, and it's all relative. He knows his comfort zone a lot more than I do, but it doesn't seem like as an actor, he's veered very far away from that. Whereas as a director, I think he's been more willing to do that.
3: Yeah, I think that's where I think that's where he stretches most um, in the director in the director seat, but. Um but uh yeah, I, I I thought it looked you know, it looked interesting of of course, and you know, anything that Lowry does is, is is gonna be worth checking out. I mean uh so uh yeah, so I'm excited. I'm excited about it for sure. Uh what else what other uh trailers hit?
2: The Halloween, right? Oh yes. no, that I okay. haven't
0: seen yet. That's embedded on our page. Yeah. Uh, I remember, I mean, Rick Rick was talking about a couple of weeks ago coming back from CinemaCon and mm-hmm. how excited he was by the footage that he saw. And the footage that he saw is the trailer because it, it's exactly what he described to me. Uh, so I am not uh, predisposed to uh, give a shit. <laughs> 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 because, uh, you know, and I, I, and I still can't claim that I do, but... Uh, I, I mean, I'm interested. I'm perfectly willing to watch a Halloween movie. I'm just not one of those people that gets really excited and, and counts the days over a course of six months until it comes out. Yeah, yeah,
1: but, yeah. But uh, it,
0: it it does look of interest to me just because of the behind the scenes talent involved. That's that's it.
3: That's the that'll be the reason to see it. This is because of David Gordon Green, you know, because he does have integrity and uh, uh, even despite what you might think about. Uh, <laughs> You know, by Pineapple Express or whatever, but uh, but uh, he always he puts himself into uh, into whatever kind of genre that he's tackling, hundred uh, percent. So uh, so you know uh, that's that's to me that's the reason to see it, and and also to see Jimmy Lee Curtis and see the see the you know the kind of the um, I don't know the continuation of the story. You know, like a real picking up of the real story. You know, not the not the story that keeps the money machine going, but you know the real story I want to yeah. see laurie's story
0: um so uh so I've always wanted gonna... to see Jamie Lee Curtis play Linda Hamilton. that has been like a dream of mine <laughs> <A
1: little interesting.
0: laughs>
3: they're 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 cut from the same cloth, really um uh yeah, so uh yeah it's a it's a be. Here's, here's my
0: concern though, here's my concern though. And a trailer is not a proper reflection of this because it's you got to put the best parts in the course of two and a half minutes. Mm. David Gordon Green, to borrow a phrase from Trump, to me is very low energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a low we... energy director, and so I'm <laughs> curious how the, how that meshes with a, a horror film.
3: It, it'll it'll it's an experiment. Yeah <laughs> it'll be an experiment so it'll, it'll be interesting to see uh, see whether it uh whether the chemicals react together or not you know uh but uh um, you know he's he's generally a reliable uh filmmaker and uh so uh so I have yeah. high hopes and uh, to what extent is is Carpenter involved in this? I mean, is he just a, is he on there as a just as a producer, or uh, is he a, is he a writer of the story at all, or anything he, like that? He
0: executive he executive produces it. He's doing the score for it right now.
1: Mmm,
3: good. And, well,
0: uh that's a big thing. <laughs> and when they're thinking thinking of rebooting Halloween, they had a lot of people bring them pitches. Carpenter and. Mm. Uh, the the only one that Carpenter responded to was Denny McBride and David Gordon Green's version.
1: Mm. And he
0: told the studio, look, uh, I know the final decision's up to you, but uh, if I were you guys, I'd go with this one. Because the, mm-hmm. this one actually surprised me. Mm. Yeah, the Denny
3: McBride part is the only part that I'm like, I don't know about this. You know, yeah, I'm not quite sure. That's that's the part that makes makes me most trepidatious. Both him at, in, at behind the camera and in front of the camera because he's in it too, right? He's he's going to be. I don't in think it. so. He's not going to be he in it too?
2: I don't think so. I haven't okay. heard anything about it unless he's playing the shape. So. <laughs> 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 It'd be a particularly round
3: shape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. he's put yeah. on
2: a little poundage in the last forty years.
3: <laughs> well, well it's, that's to be expected. He's an yeah. aging monster, so. <laughs> no. uh, but uh, uh, yeah, uh, well, if he's not in it, that'd, that'd be a plus, uh, you know. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, no, it's 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 uh, anything that that director does, I'm going to watch. Uh, that's just the way it is.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, he's yeah, uh, another, I'm with you, man.
0: Yeah. Here's another thing. De Palma was interviewed <coughs> and he made news on two fronts. The uh he he said that his new movie that's complete and uh Domino uh mm. he doubts it'll ever be released. <clears throat> I guess whatever whatever financiers or studio he was working with went belly up or the, so the future of his new movie is uncertain unless somebody picks it up and saves it. Mm. Um, the second thing he said was that he is uh, currently writing a horror movie about Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> so the, a lot of the, a, a lot of the situations are the same, but the names have been changed and I guess it takes place during the Toronto film festival. Because he's going to shoot it during next year's Toronto Film Festival. Huh. Well, uh, you know, I mean, uh, who would have more
3: who would have more perspective on terrorizing women than Brian De Palma? So,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: who
0: knows more about misogyny? Yes, uh, the guy that's blamed for misogyny in all of his movies. Yeah, I, yes, it, it, sure. it could be a, it could be yet another powder keg, De Palma movie. Yes, yeah. Yeah. he needs one
3: of those. I think that gets his blood up. So,
0: you know, whatever. <laughs> it's good, <laughs> it's good. I'm for it. Uh, yeah. All right. What else is going on, Adam? Adam, speak up. What's going on, dude?
2: Uh, I'm just following you guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I've you know I've seen. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything that I've that we haven't talked about. I did see the seagull. might have mentioned that one earlier. I'm not sure, but that was, yeah, it was a little dry for me. Yeah, the, uh, we talked about that, that one in the finish. last one. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't remember if I did or not. And yeah. um, so I did see a, dry, a
0: dry Anton Chekhov. Uh, yeah,
2: I know. <laughs> I <can't imagine. laughs> <have sunk> it?
0: <laughs>
2: it was one of those dry Chekhov adaptations. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was well. It was drier than uh, than what you normally expect. Let's put it that way. I mean, it's uh, you know the actors are all good, Sersha Ronan and Annette Bening and all them. And but I don't know. It's it's just so staged, uh, stage bound, yeah. I guess. And even though they take it out and try to do what they can with that, they just it doesn't really. It's just very talky. And I don't know. I just kept losing interest and it just wasn't wasn't my cup of tea. But uh, I did see update. Over the weekend, which is the one directed update, upgrade, sorry. Uh, Upgrade, yes, Uh, Lee Wannell, the um, director and writer of the original Saw and Insidious, the first one. And I thought that was a fairly effective movie. Uh, It's kind of like a Robocop, I guess, for our age. (laughs) <laughs> where the guy is paralyzed and he gets the chip implanted and it, uh, it helps him to walk again, but then it starts controlling his body, taking him over, and um, you know, and then it becomes a revenge thing where he's going to get the people who paralyzed him and this, that, and the other. But it was, it was effective. It was fine. Um, good taco movie, as Dean would say. <laughs> <So it's laughs> But yeah. And it, it gets was, the job done, as Aaron would say. Gets <laughs> the job done, right. It it's uh it was getting good reviews but not doing any business and but the reviews were so strong yeah. on it I felt like I needed to to investigate, which I did and um, you know, so yeah, I could I could recommend that. Um if there's nothing else Well it doesn't to... have any
0: exposure. I mean I, I didn't know anything about it. <laughs>
2: No, I didn't either, and and I think it's an upstart distributor that i It was a distributor that I'd never heard of. I can't even recall the, the name of the distributor that put it out there, but it, it, uh, you know, it's I, I I that might be what it is that they don't have the budget to advertise or, or whatever. So yeah. yeah, I noticed it made the bottom of the list, and it's uh, like the
0: uh, it's like from the from the Summer Z film distribution arm.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's. it's uh, they make
0: douches and movies. They just didn't get <laughs> to. It's,
2: it's very well, refreshing. You know, there was, that's so funny. That, you know, there was a time when Brute uh, the by Faberge was in the uh, movie distribution <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> you remember that? Yes.
3: What were some I, of the movies that they distributed?
2: Oh, what's that one with George Segal? Touch of Class, I believe, is one. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's cuz I heard I heard the uh there's a podcast. They had Elliot Gould on the Carson podcast and I was listening to that the other day and he said, uh, I made these two movies for Brute." <laughs> that. And I totally forgotten about that when he mentioned it. And I thought, oh yeah, I forgot those days when uh, Elliot Gould used to work for Brute. <laughs> That is nuts. It's true, but yeah. yeah. So the movie feels the
0: movie feels like a present you get from your grandmother at Christmas.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it smells like one too.
1: Oh
0: yeah. man, uh,
2: something. Yeah. I've
3: been I've been watching just uh you know uh, it's funny uh, a few weeks ago uh, I went to the Plaza Theater here in Atlanta. And I was uh, just happened to be down there on a Sunday afternoon, and um, and uh, the night before, I had seen the marquee guy putting up the words, the changelings. Hmm.
1: Hmm.
3: And I was like, what? The changeling? Uh, are we talking, about,
1: <laughs> are we the talking about the
3: George C. Scott changeling? He said, yeah, it's a 4K restoration of it.
2: That's right. They are we're, doing that. Yeah.
3: We're playing. We're playing it only two days, and uh, this will be the last show. I said, "Well, I know what I'm doing on Sunday," so I went to that thing, and man, I loaded up. I loaded up like I would never do before. Do you know? I got the uh, butter popcorn and the and the coke and everything, and and uh, and I totally said, "Okay, I'm ready to see this. <laughs> this is exactly how I saw." This movie, you know, years ago uh, on a Sunday afternoon and or whatever Saturday afternoon, and just uh, kind of just blew me away. And damn if it didn't do it again. I just that movie is so fantastic. I think that's one of the greatest horror movies that's ever been made. And uh, it uh, it is so powerful. It does so much. Uh, Peter Madakis, is the director, and uh, it does so much great stuff with not a lot of dialogue and a uh, lot of atmosphere, lots of great music, great score, great piano score, and uh, and just uh, I mean, it's a, it's transfixing that movie. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it feels otherworldly because uh, it has that sort of feel of like late 80s Canadian movies, which, of course, it was Canadian. Uh, And um, uh, it's got all that great New York uh, photography in it and uh, around uh, uh, Lincoln Center, and it's just got such a feel to it. Uh, It's it's really unlike anything. So do we know know if there's going to be a, a 4K restoration coming out? Home video or anything?
2: Oh yeah, yeah, it's on the way. I think it's Severin Films. I got the press release last week. I can't remember which company. I want to say Severin Films, but I might be wrong
1: mm. on that.
2: But yeah, it's it's on the way. Yeah, it's, uh, later this summer, I believe. You're lucky. I wanted to see that in a theater. I was hoping we would get it in our area, but uh, don't think it's coming. But yeah, mm. I would love to see that on the big screen. That'd be terrific.
3: It was it was just it was great and uh, and. The Plaza's a great house to see it in, and uh, mm-hmm. it, was just, it was just perfect. And um, and it just got me on a whole '80s kick. So now I'm like, a, especially late '70s, early '80s, which is my favorite period for movies. Anyway, I mean, I said it back when I was, you know, talking to Burt Reynolds, and it's really the case just in general, not just with him, but just with the entire movie industry. That late '70s, '77. Through say '83 is just the greatest, uh, the greatest period for me. So, so I went back, and <laughs> this is just a list of some of the movies that I that I watched: uh, uh, Logan's Run, <laughs> Marathon Man, which I didn't care for watching it this time. I just thought it was absurd having Dustin Hoffman in that role. Uh, he's way too old for that role. Uh, uh, Elephant Man um, uh, uh, Life Stinks <laughs> the, the, the uh, Mel Brooks movie which is underrated I think um, Laser Blast <laughs> which yes. I really just wanted to watch Laser Blast just for those stop, Dave Allen stop motion uh, creatures at the beginning and at the end but boy is that a waste of time but then I watched Dark Star which was a great double bill <laughs> with that and uh, Kentucky Fried movie and uh, returning to Burt Reynolds' Sharky Fishing and then one that I'd never seen before which I, I I know was on cable back in the 80s a lot uh, and since uh, Margot Kidder recently had passed away I thought I'd watch some kind of hero with her and uh, Richard Pryor which I thought was very very effective uh, Best Friends I watched you know again Burt. And uh Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, which is not an easy watch. Uh and uh, uh Testament. I wanted to change over and watch something really depressing and horrible. So I watched Supreme, superb. Superb so movie, good. but it is it is rough. It's tough it's tough to tough to watch and uh um, It is. And uh Sid and Nancy, uh wanted to Take in some of that early Roger Deacon's work, which is uh you know i absolutely you can see roger deacon's uh you know brilliance as a cinematographer that early on uh in that movie um and uh and uh, then you know what I watched that I'd never seen before that really just uh, I could not believe I'd never seen this, but um you know the movie Friends from 1971.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, oh, I had yeah. never checked that out. You know, it's one of those things that you see in in a lot of uh, uh you know, uh, you know, record stores and so forth because Elton it's John. Jackie, Elton. Yeah. John.
0: <laughs> it's got it, it, it is it is it is one of the perennial dollar records that you see
3: yes, in every is. bin you go to. Yes. Yeah, I mean, which is
0: kind of a
3: kind of it. It doesn't, I guess, make the soundtrack sound very good, uh, uh, but it is. It's a beautiful, beautiful score, uh, 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 song score, and uh, you know, backing score. I guess Paul Buckmaster must have done a lot of the backing score or so he did. forth. He um, So. Uh, the late, uh, the late uh, arranger for for mm-hmm. Elton John. Um,
2: he, he did the first uh, album, I believe, and maybe the first two or three albums.
3: But uh, three of course, albums. I'd never seen the movie, which is directed by Lewis Gilbert, who has done three Bond movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, then uh, uh, what he did: uh, "You Only Live Twice" and uh, and "The Spy Who Loved Me" and uh, something like mm-hmm. "Moonraker" or something like that, and. Um, uh, so, so I, I, that's, that made it kind of interesting and, uh, I, I just wanted to check it out and I was completely transported by this movie. I found it on Amazon. I rented it through Amazon, um, uh, cause I would imagine it's probably pretty hard to find otherwise. And, uh, um, uh, Sean, uh, it, it stars two stars that I'd never seen in any other movie, even though, there's a sequel called Paul and Michelle which and is the name right. of our our lead characters in it and um uh that can be found online in certain places uh, <laughs> but uh, probably pretty hard to find any other way but uh after seeing the movie I was uh I was really thrilled with it it was the perfect Saturday afternoon movie for that particular moment uh this uh Sweet little love story that uh, begins in the very similarly to a movie that I love, a little romance. Only the sexes are switched. <laughs> you know, uh, it's a, in this one, it's a French girl uh, and a British boy, and um, uh, uh, the uh, I just uh, you know the places that this movie goes. <laughs> I mean you think uh if if you're thinking along the lines of something like a little romance which in comparison is quite a lot more innocent um this one has the two uh characters sort of running away and setting up house and basically basically running away for like a year at a time and and during that during that year they have a child together and, uh, you know, and they uh, the girl is supposed to be 14 going on 15 and the, kid, the boy is only a year older and they just, uh, they have not very happy home lives and they decide to set up their own house. And, um, uh, I just really, uh, dug it. I, I really thought that it was, it was very emotional and, uh, with that, uh, with that score to it and, uh. With Elton's songs, I was like, "Wow, Elton should have done a
0: lot more, <laughs> a lot more movie work." You know, I mean, even though he's got an Oscar well, himself, well, it, it is interesting. It is interesting how he could have had a film career had he chosen to. I mean, since yeah. he was offered the the part of uh, in Harold and Maude, yeah, uh, but but he just couldn't. I mean, because at that point he was just like blooming musically and if he had pursued a film career in tangent to that you know his, his i'm sure his music career might have suffered for it uh he was just too too prolific and filled with the the inspiration to create music at the time
3: yeah the balance uh, the balance would have been thrown completely off uh his his focus would have been in the wrong places and he was smart to stick stick to it and uh and not branch out so early on uh but uh i I do rec. I do sort of regret the fact that you know. I think that he probably could have been a a good actor. You know, uh, an interesting uh, presence.
0: He would have been an interesting presence.
3: Yes, but he at would the have. same time,
0: I mean, he, he he might be Bud Cork today. I mean, you just don't know if he had pursued <laughs> that that avenue. But uh, 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 which reminds me of something funny that Aaron said because he just reviewed Solo. And who's the lead actor at Solo? <laughs> uh, Aiden Albin Aaron, Aaron right?
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Aaron's uh insight about him was that he he feels like this generation's Andrew McCarthy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's that's good. Pretty, I,
3: I think that's probably pretty accurate. Uh yeah. Um Anyway.
0: Yeah. We're well, good I, friends. Uh, we gotta check it out. Not the T V show. Not, no, not uh, a TV show. are half holistic yeah. the night-
3: the nineteen seventy one movie that comes from comes from Britain and is yes. filmed in france and it is really really sweet and unusual a very 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 unusual i would say um not a movie that can be made today I don't think
2: no no you're right. I did see something myself very quickly that I had never seen. I finally got around to seeing Aloha, Bobby, and Rose, which came out on Blu-ray last month. I did mention it when we were doing our rundown, but I finally got the chance to see that, and that's that was pretty good.
1: Yeah, it's it was
2: of a reworking of Breathless, the old yeah. Uh, that's kind of what it is, uh, but like an uh, LA Breathless. Yeah, it is, and it's. Uh, I love the LA, uh, just the the, the the you know it's filmed in LA in mid seventies, and there's so much. Uh, period detail that you get from that that time in which it was filmed, you know, it's 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 quite amazing if you're an LA person mm. like I am, and I was just the little, the streets where they I'll shot check it. I'll it out and,
0: just for that.
2: Oh, you uh, need to definitely. Oh I yeah, I, absolutely. I really if did.
3: If you're a fan of that, I mean, there's a is there a, this? Uh, it's been a year since I've seen it, probably a decade. Yeah but uh I remember this uh long sequence where they're uh where they're just showing shots of you know the cars passing certain signs yes. and and everything and there's all sorts of interesting you know landmarks and uh billboards yes. and everything that that we see through the through the uh you know the sort of road trip that these guys take and mm-hmm. uh and uh so yeah it's a, and uh tim mcintyre.
2: Aloha, Bobby and Rose. Yeah. yeah. Aloha, Bobby uh, and Rose. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's Paula Matt yeah. and uh and who's the other uh. the female I can't remember. It's Paul Lamatte though from American Graffiti is, is the uh is the the lead male actor and like you said, Tim McIntyre who was a great character actor who died way too soon and he he's in it. But yeah, it it is quite the like I said, the period detail of, the, the, of that time, it's made in 1975. It really just takes you, you – just, I just wanted to be transported there <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to,
3: yeah. To where they were at it's during an, that uh, time. It's, it's the closest that you, you're going to come, you know, to, to yeah. something like that. Or uh, maybe even something like um, – oh, what was that? Uh, uh, Dusty and Sweets McGee. That's another one.
2: That, that same that, director, that, by the way. Floyd oh, It's uh, it's William Fraker? Oh it, was it William Fraker made William the, Fraker That's is right, the you're right. I'm of, sorry. Of, Ford Mutrux made something yeah, else. Yeah,
3: yeah. Floyd Floyd Mutrix. Uh, yeah, so <clears throat> yeah, but uh that that'd be a great double bill, those, yes, those they two would. movies. Um but uh uh yeah, yeah, I, I dig that movie quite a bit too. Great poster too, and, and a really mm-hmm. good soundtrack.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's why it's been hard to find on video because I bet the music rights were very exorbitant. Because there's a lot of. Speaking of Elton John, there's a lot of usage of Elton John's early '70s music in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, just basically every top 40 hit he had is is in there at some point or another. It's yeah. pretty amazing how they. Uh, that I mean, for top 40. For me, Elton, hit,
0: Elton John. Elton John is like uh, so uh, uh, such a pinnacle for seventy cinema. Just for the opening credits of Dog Day Afternoon alone. Uh-huh, uh huh. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah. there's one of the great movies of the decade, and and his music you know, opens it. Um hmm. I got. Well, I got well, to tell you well, guys before we go. Before what?
3: What? what I was, well, I was going to say, what would it take to get Elton John on the show? No. <laughs> oh, can we get him? Uh,
0: <laughs> probably pro- pro- probably a bunch of jewelry uh,
3: <laughs> i've got a i've got a whole bunch of costume jewelry over here i can
0: so just go for it dude <laughs> go for it <laughs> uh, get out and... here's here's something i wanna say though uh, before we because I think about dream if I could be a fly in the wall or be present present in a room or whatever. And a lot of times we're talking about the L.A. of a certain period. See, I, one of my favorite L.A. movies is Shampoo. And I look at Shampoo and I'm like, God, I wish I could live in that environment. And, you know, I find myself nostalgic for for times that I've never existed in. Like, it's not yeah. like, a, you know, i got to go back to that place. I was never there. <laughs> to with. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. the latest example of this is they had a – reading, a script reading for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on Thursday around the same time that they announced Pacino was there. So the photos are on our Facebook page where you see Margot Robbie and Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio and Pacino and everybody with script in hand going for their first table reading of the script together. You see Burt Reynolds in the background of one photo that I didn't use because you don't see his face, but you know it's him because he's wearing the suit that he always wears and he has a cane and he's kind of hobbling behind Brad Pitt as he gets off his motorcycle. Mm. Um, but I would love to be a fly on the wall just to see Pacino and Reynolds in a room together. Because oh my you're God. talking about 70s icons. Um, that would have been beautiful, man.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> just anything connected to that movie, you know. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with uh, would, uh, would be incredible, you know. I mean, uh, Tarantino, if you're listening, invite us to the set. Let's we'll,
1: we'll
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: seriously.
3: <laughs> invite us to yeah. the set. We'll be good. And uh, you know, just uh,
0: you yeah. know. And here's a here's another interesting tidbit. Uh, DiCaprio is dating. Chino's stepdaughter. So uh Who is? I doubt that will end well. <laughs> no uh. <Yeah.
1: laughs>
3: Yes, he's 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 got a lot of fish in fish in the fryer, mm. so to speak.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> <true>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: He's, he's practically long John Silver. Yeah, <laughs> <All right. laughs> I'm sure Tarantino remembers that conversation we had on the sidewalk in front of the New Beverly that night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably it's to make a blip. <laughs> he
3: would appreciate your patronage. Yeah, it was it was
2: fun though. I'm telling you, it was, that one moment was fun for me. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> oh yeah, I, oh, yeah. And sitting behind it. him at the Rosemary's Baby screening, oh my God, I can't tell you that was just. Uh, listening could, to him con- could, do his commentary could, through the whole movie was uh, <laughs> could and you and really sublime. Keep your mind on the
3: movie at all? Ever, no. Just,
2: of course I couldn't. I was listening, I was eavesdropping on everything, every word that came out of his mouth. <laughs> he was sitting right in front of me and I'm like, My God, this is surreal I said, This is absolutely mm. surreal. I'm sitting behind Quentin Tarantino and we're watching Rosemary's baby in the middle of the night, basically. I said, This where where does this happen?
1: <laughs>
2: exactly. Yeah, it was yeah. it was amazing. It was. Yeah, but anyway. Oh,
3: boy. <laughs> All right,
0: guys. So next week, yeah. maybe next week we'll do the summer thing to get it, get it off the calendar.
2: Sounds like a plan.
3: Okay. I'm ready. I'll do some studying. <laughs> Me too. I the will do the same.
0: We <laughs> yeah. can talk about mm-hmm. the fugitives.
2: <laughs> yeah, and cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Both
1: both were movies that
3: I walked into thinking, ah, this isn't going to be so great? And then
0: I was surprised by both of them. So. Me too. Have you ever seen the porn version of Cliffhanger? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, no. What What's it called? It's called C <laughs> <Banger. laughs> <laughs> It's good. Stallone is really good in it. Uh, um, okay.
2: <laughs>
0: so,
2: uh, <laughs> oh, and we 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 did fail to mention that, that Stallone's doing a Rambo Five. We didn't talk about. I guess you guys mentioned, but anyway, I'll throw that in there for whatever it's worth. All right. <laughs> we just we just talked about it. it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Enough> <laughs> Thank you. Alex. <laughs> anyway.
0: There you go.